Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. Dennis Ackerman, pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, the Raiders coming off an impressive victory over the New York Giants, which interim head coach Antonio Pierce and rookie starting quarterback Aiden O'Connell both earned their first career wins in the NFL. Uh, give me your overall impressions of the game and O'Connell as well as Pierce, Dan. Oh, man. Uh, let me see here. Overall impression, obviously, they won the game. They won it handedly, so uh, you're definitely proud about that. Aiden O'Connell, he was efficient. Not anything that was stellar or Hall of Fame worthy, but he was efficient. Took care of the ball, uh, got it to his playmakers, things like that. I would like to see him get it to Devontae Adams a little bit more coming up this Sunday against the New York Jets. But like I said, he's young, only his second career start. So obviously he's going to grow. He's going to get better. I think for uh, for Coach Pierce, I think that uh, he's exactly what this team needed. They needed a breath of fresh air, and they they needed authenticity, but they needed a player's coach probably more so than anything. And when you read everything that uh, that's been put out about what Josh McDaniels was doing, how he basically was draining so many people within the organization of his Bill, of his Bill Belichick New England way, um, that right there was like exactly what this team needed, the breath of fresh air. I remember how I was reading how Antonio Pierce, he told all the practice squad guys that they could be on the sidelines for the game. I think that was really big, and I think that that probably won a lot of people over in the locker room that already weren't won over um, just because he understands as a player you're going over there to practice every day. Yeah, you're on practice squad, but you're still a participant. You're still a part of the team. Yeah, you don't play on Sundays, but that doesn't mean that you're not a part of the team. You're in meetings every day. You're at practice every day. You're in the weight room. So uh, to not allow the practice squad guys to be on the sidelines during the games, that it's such a feeling of segregation. I don't even really want to use that mm-hmm. word because obviously of uh, uh, of the type of a connotation right. that it brings. but Everything is so you make everybody feel so separated and you make them feel like they're like they're not valuable. You make them feel like they're they're not important, like they don't matter. So I definitely think that that was a great thing for uh for the team camaraderie. Uh, but definitely, like I said, uh, I'm not going to go ahead and get too over the moon as mm-hmm. as you wouldn't. It was against the New York Giants. Uh, they have Daniel Jones as their starting quarterback and he got hurt in the game and we're down to their third string guy. So obviously, uh, no cause to assume that the Raiders are now Super Bowl caliber, but uh, but definitely a good win, uh, great win for Antonio Pierce's first career win. Obviously, uh, we look at Aiden O'Connell, so we look to see now steps to be taken for this team going down the stretch the remaining part of the season. Yes, Dan, the Raiders scored a season high thirty points. I mean, his offensive coordinator Ben uh, Hardigree, he was calling the plays for the first time ever. Uh, but I thought the Raiders' offense was really flowing. And for a second, Stan, I almost forgot Aiden O'Connell was making his second career start because they were very aggressive from the outset, and they didn't take the you know their foot off the pedal. They scored 24 points in that first half alone. You know, Stan, I don't know if you saw the – did you see the post-game celebration in the locker room by the Raiders? With their oh, stars? come on. <laughs> like, DA, who did not see that? Stan, you know what? Who, I, who I, did I, not see that? 
I thought it was a little over the top for a regular season game. I can understand if they clinched a playoff berth or if they won a playoff game. But then I thought, the more I thought about it, Stan, the more I was like, you know what? I think there's been a dark cloud hanging over this franchise for a while. And I think that dark cloud. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think it was just a way for the players to finally let loose and just let some steam off. And you know what? After I thought about it for a while, I'm like, you know what? Good for them. I'm okay with it. Celebrate the win and enjoy it. But make it a quick celebration. And you know what? Then start focusing on your next opponent, which is the New York Jets. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. And I think it was uh, uh, Max Crosby's idea to bring in the, the cigars. And so good for the Raiders. All right, let me get the promo read in here, and then we're going to move on. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, line, and matchup reports for baseball. Well, baseball is actually over, so let's scratch that one. But how about boxing, golf, and more? Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, I want to talk to you about uh, emotion because you played eight years in the NFL, and obviously the Raiders played with a lot of emotion against the Giants. Um, but realistically, in the NFL, how far can emotion take you compared to college, which you're an assistant coach for the uh, University of Houston Cougars, and you also even coach high school football. So the level of emotion, how far can it take you in the NFL? Oh, I think that, you know, it could probably – take you a couple games i think uh you could probably use it in a playoff run it's going to be very difficult to sustain uh i'd say past three games and that's even stretching it just to say three games just because we know it's emotion like you know like you don't have an unlimited amount of emotion because you play a game you're on a high or something happens before the game where now it galvanizes the troops things like that but once that game is over okay then you exhale that's when all of a sudden you come back down to earth. And then for a lot of people, you expend all of those emotions during the game. And do you know how hard it is to fill that emotional tank back up just for the next game? So you can do it for maybe two to three games at the most. But eventually it's going to come down to just basic football. Who can run? Who can uh, who can hit? who can tackle, who can catch, who can cover, who can throw. It's just going to come down to the basic fundamentals, and that's who's going to come out victorious. So I understand exactly what you're asking and what you're getting at. But, yeah, I think that uh, the emotional high that the Raiders are on from the exodus of Josh McDaniels, they're not going to be able to sustain that throughout the stretch of for the rest of the season. For them to be able to win games, that's going to come down to X's and O's and then just simply out executing your opponent. Stan, how hey, take me through college. I mean, like I said, you're an assistant coach, University of Houston Cougars in college. How how long can you ride that emotion? You in college, you probably can ride it a little bit longer just because you're probably younger. Uh, maybe you're over the maybe you, you, you your head is in the clouds a little bit more. You still believe in fairy tales, things like that. Uh, but. Maybe a month, you okay. know. I remember um, years back. I believe the first college football playoff uh, set up uh, back in 2014. You remember Ohio State? Uh, I forget where they were ranked. So uh, in the middle part of the season, then all of a sudden, you know, they get hot. I think Cardo Jones was the uh, was the starting yeah. quarterback, and then all of a sudden, they uh, they do really really well in the semifinal, and then they blow out Alabama in the national championship game. 
And yeah, and it started, I think they played, I forget who they played in the Big Ten Championship. And they won that game 50 to zero. And that's what kind of started this, that magical run that they got on. And that was three games uh, just by that, uh, by the, by that chronological order, but maybe a month, maybe a month's worth of games, uh, if, if, if that. But it, like I said, it's very difficult to ride that emotional wave for a lengthy period of time because at the end of the day, it still is going to come down to throwing, tackling, blocking, catching, and all the other fundamentals within this game to be able to be successful. All right, Stan, I want to talk a little bit more about Aiden O'Connell. I mean, obviously, the Raiders made the decision to go with him after benching uh, Jimmy G. I think it was a little bit different from last year when Derek Carr was benched for Jared Stidham. No financial implications behind that move. Garoppolo, man, he carries a huge, significant hit in 2024, no matter what happens. Stan, I think, I mean, am I overstating this? What happens in these final seven games with Aiden O'Connell will kind of dictate the way the franchise go, moves going forward. Because, look, if he plays well, then the Raiders might figure out, you know what, we've got our quarterback of the future. Yeah. If he's middle to, you know what, we're not quite sure, then I think the Raiders are, they, I don't know if they're going full rebuild in the offseason or if they're going quarterback in the draft. So how important, I mean, are these next seven games, not only for O'Connell, but for the Raiders' future moving forward to see what they have with number four at that quarterback position, man? I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be paramount because if you're Mark Davis, remember this, Mark Davis is going to have to hire a new GM and a head mm -hmm. coach. And that head coach and GM will probably be somewhere locked at the hip. That's usually the best uh, situations of how they work. So that head coach is going to want to look at who he wants at quarterback, the GM the same way. So I think for Aiden O'Connell, it would behoove him very much to play very well in these remaining eight games. That way the incoming coach, who already is going to have his own person in mind. That way, he has a better chance of being able to sway the possible perception that this new head coach and this new GM will have of him. So uh, it definitely is going to dictate the direction that the Raiders are going to go, whether they feel like they're going to need to target somebody heavily in the draft throughout the first couple of rounds or feel that, you know what, we can go ahead and, Focus on other positions, you know, I don't know, the defense or the secondary to go ahead and address that early part of the draft. And then maybe in the middle to later rounds, pick up somebody with the assumption that they're going to be a backup or maybe somebody to go ahead and kind of push Aiden O'Connell a little bit more, assuming that he plays well down the stretch these last two and these last month and a half of the season. Stan, as a former DB uh, played eight years in the NFL. If you're watching film on Aiden O'Connell, what are you seeing out of him and what are you not seeing? Uh, I mean, well, he's a young guy, so obviously uh, I want to confuse him. I want to try to see that if he's able to process things quickly, I'm definitely going to try to light him up from a defensive coordinator perspective. And then obviously for me as a corner, playing tight coverage forces every quarterback to have to be exactly pinpoint accurate on their throws. You look last week, Aiden O'Connell was 16 to 25, mm -hmm. 209 yards. Like I said, didn't wow you or anything like that. So, okay, about 66 completion percentage. So, okay, you know what? That's that's right where it needs to be. Uh, I would like it to be at 70, but you know what? Guy's making a second career start. I can't be too greedy. Uh, but as far as the throws down the field, you obviously want to see a little bit more. I think even going back to the L.A. Chargers game, he played pretty well in that game. But I think that um, I think he's got a lot of room to grow. And 
the biggest component for me is that it appears that Devontae Adams really believes in him. Because you look at what he was saying after the game, um, in the locker room, things like that. I feel that he believes in him. And if Devontae Adams believes in him, then you know what? Why the hell shouldn't I believe in him? I'll go ahead and uh, just put it like that. So I think that uh, he's young. You look at Bryce Young with the Carolina Panthers. So it's going to take guys time to really get their footing. And mind you, those are highly drafted guys, Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. This guy right here, not highly drafted. So it's going to take him time. He didn't come into the season as the starter. He's now taking over for Jimmy G after the coach gets fired. So it's definitely going to be a lengthy, or should I say, it's definitely going to be a growing process, maybe some growing pains to go ahead and, uh, and add to that. But I think uh, for me, as a, as a former DB, it's all about the tight coverage. Can he make throws in the tight windows on a consistent level? And can he be able to process information within nanoseconds before that defensive line is able to collapse the pocket and ultimately get the sack. You know what, Stanley? You know what I take away from that? A Raider quarterback finally didn't turn the ball over by interception <laughs> or a fumble. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, Jimmy G or Brian Hoyer or, or O'Connell, like you mentioned, in his uh, start against the Charger, turned over a couple times. Um, Stan, you know what? I, I heard a remarkable stat. I don't know if you heard this, that O'Connell is one of 10 rookies to start at quarterback I saw that. in the NFL. Isn't I saw that, that crazy? Yes. I saw that, yes. What do you I, make of that, Stan? I make it, you know what I make of that? I make of that is that's what this generation has now pushed everything to because you look at how right now quarterbacks can't sit anymore. No, they can't because at the end of the day, that GM needs to save his job. And you know what? We got to go ahead and throw that quarterback in there. We already drafted him top five overall. So we got to go ahead and see what we're now working with. And then also, because the quarterback position is the top spot, it's the number one position on the field, and fans and also people within the media are so quick to judge quarterbacks, whether it's Matt Ryan, oh, you know what, he's over the hill, he needs to get the hell out of there. Whether it's a Phillip Rivers, you know what, he's past his prime, they need to get, the, get him the hell out of there, they need to find somebody else. You look at an Alex Smith, so there's so many guys that quickly – the book is now turned to he's washed. He's done. We need to get him out of there. So now GMs are like, man, we got to go get a quarterback. We got to find a young guy. We got to go draft somebody. Oh, yeah, let's throw him in there right now. And because the judgment is so quick from the very beginning, that's where it all comes from. So now guys are playing earlier. In my opinion, a lot of guys are playing earlier than they should. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're now seeing teams throwing guys out there in their first year. I mean, you look at uh, for the Chicago Bears, Bajan, or uh, Bajan, or whatever his name is. I'm, it is Bajan. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Bajan. You know, I mean, he's from a D2 school in where? Right. West Virginia or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he wound up just getting a victory just a few minutes ago against the Carolina Panthers and beat our Raiders. I know. So, it, it, it's just the, the leash is short now. The leash is short. Uh, social media. Everybody wants to get to everything right now. They want it instantaneous. And then so so is the judgment going to be as quickly as they want everybody being thrown in there. That's the generation that we now live in, uh, DA. Stan, I read something interesting. Uh, it was actually earlier today. We're recording this on a Thursday. And I read something. I couldn't believe it. I think I read it three times. Has Brock Purdy peaked too early? Did the Niners make a mistake trading Trey Lance? And I was like, oh, my gosh. 
guys, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, the Niners just won five in a row. I know they lost three in a row, but they have issues on defense. So it's just like, has Brock Purdy peaked too early because he's lost three straight starts? I'm like, like you just said, Stan, the media, we're so quick to judge. We don't yeah, give these so players. Quick. Kenny Stabler, I remember, Stan, he didn't make an impact with the Raiders to like his fifth season. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it was back in the 70s. It's 50 years ago, but I mean, you're talking about quarterbacks. They gave him time. They gave him a hell of a lot of time. If I'm talking, Stabler didn't really get to get going in his career to like his fourth or fifth season. It's just how Philip Rivers team. didn't start for the Chargers till his third season. I, and I know. And they it's went 14 and two and all the way to the AFC title game. Unbelievable. Hey, man, I want to switch to the other side of the ball now. And Stan, I want to make the case for Max Crosby's defensive player of the year. I mean, these numbers through nine games are ridiculous. Nine and a half sacks, which is tied for second with Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. His 13 tackles for loss are tied for first. Now, that puts him on track for almost 18 sacks and nearly 25 tackles for loss uh, if he plays all 17 games. Knowing Mad Max, he will, and he's going to play every yeah. single down. Sandy, but do you think he could win the award if, the, say, the Raiders, they don't make the playoffs or they finish under 500? How likely is it do you think that he could be uh, the leader in the clubhouse for that award? Very unlikely. I think that uh, for Max Crosby in, in this situation with the Las Vegas Raiders, if they were to finish above 500, I think he's got a shot. Okay. But when you look right now with the Cleveland Browns and their defense is right now on a historical level, or at least it was on a historical level, but now it's still playing still playing well. Um, I think it's very difficult to win the Defensive Player of the Year award and your team not make the playoffs, or at least not be a strong push. Now, Max Crosby somehow, some way breaks the single season sack record. Yes, he's easily going to get it. But anything short of that, you also have to have the team success somewhere clumped in there, along with your uh, on-field stats, your on-field production, for it to all work as far as what the voters, the Associated Press, as far as what they see. Just because I can make the argument that right now, what is the Raiders' record? Four and five. Okay. Max Crosby, second in the NFL in, in uh, sacks, right? At nine and a half, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can ask this question. How valuable are you to a team that's only four and five and does not have a winning record. No, I get that. And I can honestly tell you, Stan, without Max Crosby, the Raiders could be two and seven, maybe one and eight. So I get your point, especially when you talk yeah, about a two-game difference. A two-game difference. So right. you're not in the playoffs with him. You're not in the playoffs without him. Right. So that's so so just for somebody to push back, that's what I could say if I wanted to hate on Miles uh, on uh, on Max Crosby. Obviously, I don't because hey, he's from Texas. Uh, but you know, the thing is, is that like, just from what I've gathered with the voters, just how also not as much as for the MVP, but a lot of the awards are somewhat narrative based sure, to a certain degree. And what would be the narrative for Max Crosby and the Las Vegas Raiders other than Max Crosby's really good. He even had 10 sacks as a rookie. So he's been doing this for a while. You guys just now all of a sudden started paying attention and notice about two years ago when he made his first Pro Bowl. So I think that um, outside of a playoff berth, outside of a strong push for the playoffs, or him having 20-plus sacks, I think it's just going to be very, very difficult. Uh, The 20-plus sacks along with a 
an underwhelming team win-loss record, I think he's got a shot. Okay. But uh, outside of that, if the team discuss, if the team winds up going, let's say, let's say nine and eight, something like that. Let's say eight and nine. I think he's going to have to have a monster number of sacks to offset the lack of team success because the Cleveland Browns seem like they're going to be in it towards Great. the end. You know what I mean? So like you look at the other guys within the AFC, that right there to me is just it just it always is going to skew it. It's always going to muddy the waters or should I say it's going to fog up the windows. So that's why I think that uh the team success plays a big part. I'm trying to think in recent history, who's the last guy to win the defensive player of the year award whose defense or whose team did not go to the playoffs? I couldn't even tell you, Stan. Yeah. Same I couldn't here. even tell. Hey, do you know who holds the Raiders sack record? And he was actually a teammate of yours. And I, I, di I didn't remember it. I thought it was somebody else. Can you? Uh, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You want me to go? Go ahead. You can tell. Well, me. for you know what, I will start off by telling. I will start off by telling you the college he went to, the okay. team he was with before he got to the Raiders, and a very interesting, a very interesting character, not characteristic, but a very interesting detail about him. So, anyways. Uh, he went to Ole Miss. Uh, I forget what uh, what round he was drafted in, but I know he's with the Philadelphia Eagles. Played very well in that Super Bowl that they lost to the New England Patriots. Then yep. he comes over to the Oakland Raiders at the time, my rookie year, 2005, yep. and he had 16 sacks in 2005 out of 16 games. And he was a situational pass rusher. Yes, he was. I do remember that. Yeah, Derek Burgess. Yeah, great job, Stan. I, I honestly, I was thinking Howie Long or Greg Downs, and I really was, and I was like, wow. And then I, yeah. I didn't know Khalil Mack holds the Raiders' record for tackles for a loss in a season. I think it's twenty three and a half. He did that in uh, two thousand and fifteen. So yeah, and, and so and think about him. He won Defense Player of the Year. Yes, he did. The year they won twelve and four. Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, Stan, speaking of that, the last time the Raiders made the playoffs was also the last time they had an interim coach, uh, mm -hmm. 2021. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yes, yes, and, uh, yes. So I want to talk to you about Rich Visaccia. I mean, the job he did to me was remarkable. He took over after John Gruden resigned. If you remember, the team also released Henry yep. Ruggs that year. Damon yeah. Arnett. Visaccia uh, got the team to the playoffs. They finished 10-7. and seven, And they took the Bengals down to the wire. And the Bengals I remember. went to the I Super remember. Bowl. Yeah, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl that year. And Stan, despite all that, Mark Davis didn't retain him. So let me ask you this. What will it take for Antonio Pierce to win this job moving forward if Bisaccia did all that and still couldn't retain the job? I think the Raiders are going to have to make a strong playoff push. That's number one. I think they're going to have to either make the playoffs or make a strong playoff push. I think it's going to have to be exceedingly obvious that the team is going in this direction right here. And... And this right here, to me, is going to be the biggest component of it all because for Mark Davis, it appears that Mark Davis wants splash names. That's what it appears. John Gruden, coming out of the booth, paid him $100 million. Ten-year contract, uh, $10 million a year. Uh, last I checked, that's $100 million. Um, Then it's Josh McDaniels, the offensive guru. Tom Brady swears by him. New England West. Uh, so to me, 
Mark Davis is looking more for a name. He's looking more for a splash name, something like that that's also going to bring notoriety, something that's also going to bring publicity to the Raiders. In my personal opinion, I think the Raiders already have enough publicity that they need. They're the Raiders, for crying out loud. They're storied, like they're legendary. So the fan base is not going to dwindle (laughs) by no stretch. Um, But I think the last component, and this is a big one, I looked at so many of the videos on the Raiders' Instagram page after the game, what Devontae Adams said, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, and so many people about Antonio Pierce. I think Mark Davis will probably elicit some of the opinions of the players. It's going to really come down to Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs, assuming that Josh Jacobs is a Raider next year. I think that if Devontae Adams and Max Crosby damn near stand on the table for Antonio Pierce. I think that uh, that's a big component. I think that obviously they got to win. Obviously, they got to make a strong playoff push or make the playoffs. But I think if Devontae Adams and Max Crosby are like, hey, Mark, we really want this guy going forward, I think Mark will actually take a strong listen to that and give it some serious thought. But I think short of what I just outlined, I could very well see Mark Davis going with who he's told he should hire. You know, one of these hotshot coordinators like Mm -hmm. Ben Johnson for the Detroit Lions or possibly Jim Harbaugh, who I think would be good candidates, no doubt about it. They would be my top two candidates. But I think that he's going to be looking more for, okay, you know what, who are the hottest coordinators out right now? Let me just go to Google and, you know, type it in or something like that. And, you know, just like I know with Rich Bisaccia, Sometimes the best person for the job ain't the biggest name. Sometimes it's not the person that everybody's speaking highly of. It might just be some old country guy from Texas named Dan Campbell, who's now doing what he's doing for the Detroit Lions. You see what I'm saying? So, 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 So that's where for a lot of times as a GM or as an owner, you have to ask yourself, do you want the best person for the job or do you want the person that fits the role? The person that 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 they fit the criteria, but they may not be the best person for the job. So that's uh to me, that's what I think has to happen for Antonio Pierce to actually really, really, really get a fair shake at keeping this thing. All right, Stan. Final topic, and it's the Raiders uh, and the Jets uh, Sunday night football. I'm surprised NBC didn't flex out of this one, but they decided to keep it. And Stan. I'm not sure how the Raiders are one-point underdogs in this one. I really don't. I mean, I know the Jets have a great offense, Dan, but that that Jets offense is absolutely horrendous. I mean, they scored two touchdowns in a game once, and I'm, I don't know how they beat the Eagles or Bills. I watched those games, and I'm still dumbfounded so, how they pulled it off. You so know, the, the average. <laughs> I mean, the DA, what's the question? Shouldn't the Raiders be favored in this, and do you feel the Raiders are going to win? Uh, I think I think the Raiders are going to be favored favored in this because a they're playing at home. We right. see how the Jets played on Monday Night Football against the Chargers, and also everybody knows the Raiders just fired their head coach, and now the emotional high that they're on. And just like about a week ago, we were sitting right here, and you said, "Stan, the Raiders got the Jets and the Giants coming up." I think that they're going to be able to go ahead and win those games just off of the emotional high that they're going to be on, and I think that Vegas. Not the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Vegas betters. Uh, I think that's what they're looking at as well. Um, 
And I, I, I look for the Raiders to go ahead and pull this one out as well, just because of everything that you just alluded to. But I tell you this, and and I kind of cringe when you talk about how, yeah, Stan, they've only scored two touchdowns once this season. Yeah, that's what makes me scared because they may come out there and all of a sudden have like three offensive touchdowns in the first half <laughs> against the Raiders. So, so, uh, so yeah, so, uh, so you talking about their stats and what they haven't done as of yet makes me nervous that all of a sudden we know streaks are meant to be broken. Absolutely. Records are meant to be broken in any given Sunday. And uh, I just hope that uh, that Sunday isn't three days from now when they play the Raiders. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I mean, the Jets have allowed 32 quarterback sacks and the Raiders defense coming off an eight sack performance against the Giants. The one thing that does concern me, Stan, is the Raiders run defense has been very awful this year. I mean, I think they're second to last, giving up over 130 yards. And Bryce Hall, I think, is one of the few bright spots on that. Uh, Jets offense. I think the Raiders win. I don't think it's a high scoring game because the Jets defense is very good, Stan. I'm thinking 17 yeah. 10, yeah, maybe something, maybe even 14 13, something along. I think it's a low scoring game. I think the Raiders, if they stick to that blueprint, they finally got Josh Jacobs on track. He had over 100 yards almost. And then he, mm-hmm. on that final handoff, yeah. he lost four yards and finished with 98. But I thought for the first time all season, you know, they were able to open some holes on a consistent basis. They got him going and that opened up the passing game. And I think if the Raiders, Stick to that blueprint and don't ask Aiden O'Connell to win the game. Just, I don't want to call him a game manager, but anyways, I think he is because if they don't turn the ball over, I think they got a good shot at beating the Jets. And I'm going to pick, I picked the Raiders last week in a low scoring game. Obviously I was wrong. I got the Giants right with six, but the Raiders had 21 more than I predicted. So I'll go Raiders again and uh, let's see if they can make it two in a row. And somehow stand through all this, be five and five through 10 weeks of the season. I know, crazy. Right. If I mean, I just complete head scratcher. So good po- podcast as always, friend. Uh, great job, partner. Yes, sir, man. Always happy to do it with you. Another great week. All right, Raider Nation. That's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rouse, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.